welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. Because it's the first Wednesday of the month, we'll be looking at general aviation and commercial aviation news. From generalaviationnews.com, new COVID relief bill includes $45 million for GA airports. The latest COVID relief funding bill, passed by Congress in late December and signed by President Trump on December 27th, includes about $2 billion in support for the nation's airports, including $45 million for general aviation airports. This new deal also provides $15 billion in payroll support for air carriers, which also applies to many general aviation operators and businesses, and about $284 billion for the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses to continue to meet their payroll obligations. GeneralAviationNews.com writes that about 85% of businesses that use general aviation are small to mid-sized companies. General aviation has also been vital in distributing personal protection equipment, or PPE, to hospitals and rural communities across the country. General aviation flights are down nearly 20% from this time last year. Selena Shilad, Executive Director of Alliance for Aviation Across America, says that, quote, We welcome the passage of this legislation, which supports businesses and communities that depend on general aviation at a time when they have been hit particularly hard by a global pandemic. She goes on to say that smaller airports are a critical part of infrastructure, economy, and a lifeline for small businesses and rural communities across the country. Looking into the COVID relief bill, there are no specifics stated as how the $45 million will be distributed among the general aviation airport. Our next story continues following COVID-19 as the Moderna vaccine is approved for pilot use. Following emergency authorization by the United States FDA, the FAA has determined that pilots who receive Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine are still safe to fly. This also applies to air traffic controllers who are subjected to FAA medical clearances. With the Moderna vaccine, pilots may fly right away. However, with Pfizer's vaccine, Pilots are required to stay grounded for 48 hours before beginning to fly again. The FAA released that the agency's medical professionals will continue to monitor the distribution of the vaccine and the side effects, if any. The FAA also stated that they will continue to evaluate all the different vaccines in the coming weeks and months and will provide pilots and air traffic controllers of any waiting periods needed for each individual vaccine. The grounding period after receiving a vaccine is not unheard of for the FAA. Other vaccines, including tuberculosis and typhoid vaccines, also include waiting periods after the administration of the vaccine. In general aviation news, the Piper Pilot 100 has been certified by the FAA this week. The Piper Pilot 100, which made its debut in Sun and Fun in 2019, is a valuable priced addition to the Piper's training class line. The Piper Pilot 100 completes Piper's collection of training aircraft. Looking into 2021, flight schools have an option for a factory new, robust trainer that is priced under $300,000 and is IFR equipped with digital autopilot. The Piper Pilot 100 has been critically acclaimed by the American Flyers National Chief Pilot, Stephen Dawn. For those of you who don't know, American Flyers was established in Fort Worth in Texas in 1939 and is known for private, commercial, and finish-up flight training with six locations across the United States. The American Flyers has trained more flight instructors than any other flight school in the world, according to company officials. The first model of the Piper Pilot 100 was purchased by the American Flyers and have given very positive reviews of the aircraft. The G3X avionics aboard allows for pilots to switch between round dial and tape displays on the touchscreen format, 
This outperformed the G1000 suite on many levels and a primary reason why the American flyers chose this aircraft. From AIN Online, the CDC plans to require negative COVID tests for international passengers. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is expected to expand pre-departure COVID-19 testing requirements to all passengers traveling to the United States from international destinations. Furthermore, operators are expected to prohibit any passengers from boarding without the confirmation of a negative COVID-19 test. However, the association added that liability for falsified documents will reside with the passengers. Brian Coaster, NBAA Director of Flight Operations and Regulations, says that the pending policy illustrates the ever-changing environment of international aviation operations in the COVID-19 era. Operators need to plan ahead and stay on top of current guidance and requirements, especially if they're spending extended time abroad, since these policies change often. Despite this plan to decrease COVID-19 infections in the United States, many are concerned that there is not adequate testing for passengers arriving from abroad. This also raises the question of how are people going to test if the country that they are coming from do not have the level of testing or documentation that meets the CDC requirements. Some passengers departing from more remote areas of the world simply cannot meet the requirements needed to enter the United States under the new CDC guidelines. From simpleflying.com, Airbus looks to have beaten their 2020 delivery goal. Airbus looks set to have beaten its 2020 delivery goal of 560 aircraft this year. The figures come despite the aviation industry falling back 21 years in 2020 due to COVID-19 pandemic. Yet, these results have, are yet to be confirmed by Airbus. According to flight tracking data and industry insiders, Airbus delivered in excess of 560 aircraft during the course of 2020. The publication states that this was the manufacturer's informal goal, but adds on Airbus declined on comment on the figures ahead of their official release. Typically, both Airbus and Boeing release their aircraft orders and deliveries on a monthly basis. However, the figures first need to be audited. As a result, both usually have a delay about a week before the figures are released. As such, we'll likely have to wait a few more days before we learn exactly how many aircraft Airbus delivered. Airbus first delivered its Airbus A330-800 in the latter part of the year to Kuwait Airlines. More recently, they have been selling to Uganda Airlines and American Airlines. The Airbus A380 saw the ground for most of the year, and many airlines including Air France, Lufthansa, and Singapore Airlines have announced that the A380 will be retired. Emirates, however, continues to fly the A380 as a part of their fleet. Looking at the numbers, Airbus seems to have far surpassed Boeing in this past year. Following the 737 MAX deliveries being stopped at the beginning of the year, they had a few odd 787 and 777 deliveries while the MAXs were on the ground. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they did not sell as many aircraft as they would have hoped, which delayed the production of their 777Xs on time and now will be delayed till 2022. From Hackaday.com, Federal Aviation Administration announces major drone rule changes. Drones are becoming less of a niche hobby and more integrated into everyday life. The rule changes announced on December 28th are billed as, quote, advancing safety and innovation, quote. The exciting part and the aspect that gathered most attention from headline writers is a relaxation of rules against night operations and operating of both people and moving vehicles. Since 2016, it has been against FAA regulations to operate drones more than 0.55 pounds at night or near moving traffic. This rule can be seen as stifling innovations in drone delivery since any useful delivery service will most likely need to overfly populated areas and roadways and probably do so at night. 
The new rules allow these operations without a waiver for four categories of drones, classified by how much damage they would do if they were to lose control and hit someone. The rules also define the inspection and certification regimes for both aircraft and the pilot, as well as stipulating that operators have to have their certificate and ID on their persons while flying. The report put up by the FAA states that, under the final rule, all UA or unmanned aircraft required to register must remotely identify and operators have three options described below to satisfy this requirement. Weighing less than, five, weighing less than 0.55 pounds, remote identification is only required if the UA is operated under rules that require registration, such as in part 107. Operational rules take effect 30 months after the effective date of the rule. The report then goes into the three different types of identification used to identify unmanned aerial vehicles. A link to this publication by the FAA can be found in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about unmanned aerial vehicles. The final rule amends Part 91 and Part 107 to prohibit the use of ADSB out or ATC transponders on UAS unless otherwise authorized by the administrator or are flying under a flight plan and in two-way radio communications with ATC. ADSB out and ATC transponder authorization is likely for large UAS operating in the controlled airspace, and Part 89 prohibits the use of ADSB out as a means of meeting remote ID requirements. Just as in manned aircraft operations, the FAA administrator, unmanned aerial vehicles are registered in a foreign country, can be operated in the United States only if the operator files a notice of identification with the FAA. This enables the FAA and law enforcement to correlate a remote ID broadcast with the person responsible for the operation of this foreign registered UA. As I said before, a link to this document can be found in the show notes. Before we get back to the news, I'd like to update you on my training. I'm currently halfway through stage one of my IFR part 141 training. My lessons have been at a standstill lately due to the low fog that's been hanging over. While this wouldn't be a problem in normal IFR training, because of the cold temperatures and the lack of anti-icing equipment, I have remained effectively grounded. Also, during the holiday break, I became an AOPA member and an EAA member. For those of you who don't know, AOPA is the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. They provide online courses and in-person courses for all those learning to become better, safer pilots. EAA, or the Experimental Aircraft Association, is responsible for hosting EAA AirVenture every summer in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. EAA also offers a plethora of resources for student pilots and pilots alike. And now, back to the news. It's been just over a year since the mandatory implementation of ADSB out on all aircraft. Although statistics from the year 2020 are not yet out, I suspect that crashes and impacts due to unseen traffic will be lower. However, this will be difficult to tell due to lack in air traffic due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And now, for a look ahead into the future of aviation. The FAA released a fact sheet on the effects of supersonic transport. In the early 1970s, many believed that supersonic air travel would be the type of travel for the future. However, the Concorde was retired nearly two decades ago because of the high cost of meeting the environmental restrictions on sonic booms inefficient fuel consumption, and other factors. Ultimately, the Concorde's future as a viable transportation vehicle was limited. Companies in the United States and abroad are now taking a new look at supersonic air travel. Lighter and more efficient composite materials combined with new engine and airframe designs may offer the potential for an introduction of a viable supersonic transport. In the area of supersonic noise, 
The Federal Aviation Administration continually works to ensure that the United States keeps at pace with the latest scientific and technological advances to maintain the safest, most efficient, and advanced airspace systems in the world. In line with the creation of more supersonic aircraft, the FAA is initiating two rulemaking activities on civil supersonic aircraft noise. The first activity is a proposed rule for noise certification of supersonic aircraft, and the second is a proposed rule to streamline and clarify the procedures to obtain special flight authorization for conducting supersonic flight testing in the United States. The supersonic noise certification regulations of CFR Part 36 do not apply to supersonic aircraft. The current rulemaking activity related to noise certification of supersonic aircraft will determine the technological and economic basis that supports noise level requirements that are appropriate for supersonic aircraft. In summary, as part of the DOT's priority in innovation and transportation, the Department of Transportation and the Federal Aviation Administration are taking steps to advance the development of civil supersonic aircraft. Currently in the United States, law prohibits flights in excess of Mach 1 over land unless specifically authorized by the FAA or purposes stated in the regulations. The two rulemaking activities would not rescind the prohibition against flights in excess of Mach 1 over land. Air traffic control facilities continue to be affected by COVID-19. The FAA has provided a map which shows all air traffic control centers which are affected by COVID-19. The map is updated once daily and is based on the nature of developments. It's preliminary and subject to change, but it's a great way to see where air traffic control is being affected and where to expect possible delays. Thank you for listening to this episode of Squawk 5353, the private pilot podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're using and share this podcast with those who you think might enjoy it. Until next time, Squawk 5353, and let's make the skies a safer place.